0: Hey, welcome to the Chundu Gaming Federation Podcast. My name is Charlie. I'm joined here again with Austin.
1: Hey, what up?
0: Today we're talking about, uh, man, what I think is a really big development in the game industry, and I can't wait to see how this pans out. Today we're talking about game subscription services, which seems to have kind of a little bit come out of nowhere, and suddenly every major platform has a game subscription service.
1: I wouldn't say come out of nowhere, but... I don't know, it's kind of been being talked about for a little while, but it just sort of exploded, that's well, for sure.
0: It's been a fairly obscure thing for PlayStation Now, has been out for a number of years, and Xbox Game Pass, um, but just within the last month, it's like Apple says, hey, uh, Apple Arcade's coming out, and then boom, that's available now, and then Google was like, oh, Google Play Pass is coming out, and then boom, that's available now, yeah. and those are like by far the two biggest game platforms, nothing else is even close. Yeah. And we're still without one
1: on Steam, but it's interesting to think about what are the implications I mean, of all these moves. It's a little bit scary actually to think about. I mean if what's gonna happen to I mean we both have not just us, plenty of people have incredibly large libraries of games. Yeah. And if everything goes subscription based, I mean what happens to our libraries? What happens if Steam decides to stop doing business this way? Well, um,
0: our libraries will still be there, right? I mean, a good example, I think, is that on Google Play and iOS, I already have, you know, a fair number of games on both of those, especially iOS. And now a lot of the games which I've purchased are available in the Google Play Pass. Hmm. So when when I'm like browsing Google Play Pass, it's like, yep, have that, have that, have that, like all the major games which they're
1: touting are kind of ones I already have. So it's like, well, it doesn't look like it's for me then. Well, there are some exclusives, right? I think Amanita Design came out with an exclusive for Apple Arcade.
0: Actually, Apple Arcade is 100% exclusives, and Google Play Pass is 0% exclusives. Hmm. Well, good to go. Anyway, so for anyone who's not familiar with what we're talking about, let's just start at the beginning and describe kind of what's going on. Game subscription services are basically like a Netflix buffet-style business model.
1: I think it's pronounced Buffet.
0: Buffett.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So basically
0: where you pay a monthly fee and you have access to a collection of games, which is like a curated collection. And this may change over time, as in you have access to like 100 games at once and some games are added to it and drop out of it. That's how it works with Xbox Game Pass. Or just games are just added to it all the time. But basically the idea is that rather than buying games on their own one by one, you pay a monthly fee and then you have access to a catalog of games. And I think this satisfies... A lot of people, particularly more casual players, who are just looking to play good games in general rather than play
1: specific games. Well, if we look at video-on-demand services as any indicator of the way this is going to go, which it could or could not, uh, Netflix, Hulu, all of those have their exclusive titles. And then they have a library, you know, a catalog of movies that or TV shows that come and go depending on you know, rights to them. So we can expect, you know, certain exclusives to probably always be on the services, but then other titles may rotate in and out.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you look at movies and TV shows, most people who I know are just, they're not buying like movie seasons on iTunes or something. They're just like have Netflix subscriptions or Hulu subscription, whatever it is. It seems like video has really transitioned in huge part over to this subscription model. Netflix is probably the biggest player in this space, but there's so many competing services like Apple TV and you know all these different services, which just you pay a monthly fee and you have access to a lot of content and you just choose what you want to watch. And it's kind of changed the model a little bit. I mean, because back in like the DVD era or the VHS or Blu-ray era, even you would buy individual titles at like Best Buy or something. Right. And now there's a lot less of that and a more of, let me just surf around Netflix and just see what kind of strikes me and I'll just watch that, which is a little bit more of a passive style of consumption rather than actively going out and
1: purchasing uh, title by title. I think we're also seeing that trend starting to happen with gaming. I mean, uh, disc sales were precipitously down in 2017. We're continually seeing a downwards trend of people buying disc-based games. We have a couple people in the group who really like to get physical games, limited run ones, stuff like that. But that's like the minority, you know. It's got to be small minority. Yeah, very small minority. I mean, just the nature of the business model of that company limited run games they produce very limited runs yeah it's of a niche phys- boutique item yeah so i mean that's what physical has come to as things trend towards digital only and casual gamers just want easy access to these games i think cloud-based gaming streaming that's definitely the way that the market's leaning towards. Yeah, so.
0: cloud-based gaming, that's another point. That's kind of looking into the future a little bit more a couple of years since that's not really standardized yet. But right. PlayStation Now has been offering that. And it does look like, I mean, if things go in that direction, that's going to be a curated selection as well. For sure. Although it could be a larger curated selection. But still, it's you don't have access to every single title. You're not buying individual titles. You have access to what they provide access to you too. so that's a different model and it might look a lot different in the future i remember like being a kid you would like read like egm or, or yeah. magazines Nintendo and you power you'd be interested in specific games and you know you'd you'd buy those specific games and it's interesting to think that we might be heading into an era where people aren't going to have that sort of experience maybe just just the biggest titles all appear on this subscription service and those are the ones that people play and it could lead to a lot of smaller games kind of falling through the cracks.
1: Well, I mean, we've had this resurgence of indie games just gaining a huge popularity boost in the last few years. You know, they've been at an all-time peak where that's been the hot shit. Things like Undertale, Stardew Valley, you know, starting back with Minecraft, you know, with this resurgence in interest yeah. in smaller titles. Uh but Th- I mean, those are
0: going to be available too, though, right? For sure. I mean,
1: yeah, but I mean, those are now big games that like made it, you know? Yeah. I mean, potentially we run the risk of having games like that fall under the radar if everything's just mainstream.
0: That's true. Although now it's interesting because Stardew Valley is one example of a game that. Not only has it not fallen through the cracks, it's sold more than Call of Duty on Steam for like 2018, and it's one of the flagship games on Google Play Pass, Yeah, which is one that i played for like 100 hours, so I'm not going to get into that on Android, but it's good that a lot of people are getting into it, and just the continual success of that game, just like on every single platform, is just unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable success, and one man, right? Yeah, one so, guy. That's so great for him. He's probably stoked.
0: Yeah, with his, like, $50 million. Yeah. Yeah. Also, aside from that, another big aspect of this, which we haven't even mentioned yet, is that all these games are completely free of in-app purchases. Right. And that's a huge change.
1: Not totally. I mean, in Apple Arcade, in... uh I mean, not in all the subscription-based models are they totally, in the mobile platforms. In the mobile platforms, but
0: yes. I mean, in the other ones, they do still like on the Xbox Game Pass or PS Now, you can still buy DLC stuff like that.
1: Correct. The only one without it is Ubisoft's, which launched about a month ago, I think. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, which not not like, quite
0: the same as in-app purchases. Uh, in-app I mean, purchases, you're usually buying like uh, currency, you know, things like that. I guess those I mean, that I does, mean, does exist, like in some, you know. Warner Brothers games, Activision games, (laughs) electronic arts games. So, But anyway, for mobile platforms, the two which we've talked about specifically so far, Apple Arcade and Google Play Pass, those are completely without in-app purchases. And that's kind of been the main monetization model for the mobile games
1: industry for the last like five years, I would say. Well, I mean, I think that that's a good point to touch on, though. Uh, You know, with titles not including DLC or with titles... Uh, potentially having subscriptions but being long-term titles like the division or destiny or something like that which are not mobile games but potentially as you know m- mobile gaming becomes bigger and bigger we may potentially see more games like that so i mean PUBG got huge on there that's a game that you don't just play you know one or two days or something but an ongoing game for a lot of the users
0: funny how those perpetual games never turn to perpetual things you know destiny's like oh you'll be playing it for 10 years it's like two years later destiny 2
1: yeah and
0: the latest example actually is uh breakpoint which is the ghost recon tom clancy game yeah that was just released uh, like a week ago on the first of october terrible reviews it's like a 50 on metacritic And when they released the beta, they were on stage like, you'll be playing this one for 10 years. You know, they're like, we got your back, you know. And I'm going to go ahead and venture a guess here. Ghost Breakpoint 2 is going to be probably
1: like two years away from now. But Siege is a good example. That's still got a large user base. We've also got Hearthstone still going strong. Uh, Games like this potentially having to pay a subscription for them. I mean, part of the appeal of... Subscription-based models, yeah. There's no way
0: those will have a subscription, right?
1: But having it, well, I mean, you have the Ubisoft's subscription-based model, which gets you access to Siege. But I mean, you know, do you really want to pay a monthly fee for a game that you could purchase outright for like ten dollars? Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's super cheap. The game's like four
1: years old. Yeah, regularly goes on sale. I would rather just outright own the game and have everything tied to my account and be able to play whenever, than potentially paying. A monthly fee to hold on, you know, it's going to be holding certain. If things go down that road, potentially we run the risk of holding subscribers hostage, basically to their saves, their games, to on to persistent games like that. If that becomes the case, do they really hold your saves hostage though? I mean, it depends. It may go down that route. So, right now, I think it I mean, doesn't, you, though. I you, think
0: you you have. You keep your saves after you lose your subscription to PS Now. I know that for sure. I assume that the other platforms are the same way, but if they do hold your saves hostages, that is pretty devious. I
1: mean, I know Nintendo Online, you lose your saves if you let your your online account lapse. You lose the online saves, but
0: you keep the local ones.
1: You keep the local ones, but what if you get your Switch stolen and you let your thing Oh, that's lapse? on you.
0: That's on you, of course. But anyway, so let's talk a little bit about some of the platforms that we're dealing with here. So we've already mentioned a couple of these in passing, and we've talked a little bit about Apple Arcade and about Google Play Pass. And aside from those, there are a couple console and PC platforms as well. But let's just start with the mobile ones. Apple Arcade just launched September 19th. And so that was just a few weeks ago. It's available in 150 countries. And Google Play Pass launched four days after that. I mean, the timing of these things is incredible. Yeah. You know, Apple Arcade is like, yeah, this is going to be a thing. And then Google's like, oh, oh, yeah, we've got that too. Like four days <laughs> yeah. later, it's like almost the same thing. The There are a couple little bit different, you know, we'll talk about, but very similar services. Google Play Pass is only available in the United States, unlike Apple Arcade. And Apple Arcade is available on a bunch of different platforms. Though. Although
1: it's not available here. In China. As I found. Oh, yeah.
0: really? So 150 um, countries, that doesn't include China? Yeah. Classic. I mean, you know, the regulatory hurdle of China is just, mm-hmm. we've talked about that on several episodes, but in any case, Apple Arcade works on your iPhone and your iPad. It works on Mac. If you have the latest version of Mac OS Catalina, and it also works on Apple TV, which is kind of cool, especially now because you can sync your... DualShock 4, or your Xbox One
1: S controller. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: with all of these iOS devices. Pretty glitch. Like with your iPad or with your... Um, with your Apple TV, and that's pretty cool. It works flawlessly.
1: Even if you don't have an Apple TV, you could sync your phone with the TV and be playing some some cool games with your controller on the TV.
0: Yeah, what I was thinking was it'd be pretty. I mean, you could just hook an iPad up to a TV and like be playing Downwell or something yeah. on your TV. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's something that you weren't able to do
1: like a year ago for sure. Some of the other services also. EA has been around the longest. EA has been around the longest. 2016. Oh no! PS Now. Model. PS
0: Now is longer. 2014.
1: 2014 for PS Now.
0: I believe so. Oh, yeah. Oh wow. But let's let's finish up Apple Arcade. So it's okay. a new service which is just available with iOS 13 and iPad OS, which just came out not long
1: ago. Five bucks a month, right?
0: Yeah, and it has a 30 day free trial. You know, which is pretty cool. Pretty so cool. So I'm still in the trial period and. Like we already said, it's all exclusives, so there are some cool games. And some of them are like high-profile games like Exit the Gungeon and Mini Motorways.
1: I mean, I mentioned Amanita Design has an exclusive title on there. You can't play it anywhere else. I'm a big fan of Amanita Design. That's Machinarium, Bot- Bot- Botanacula, Samrost. They're a cool studio. Yeah. So there are 50
0: games available at launch, and they claim that there are over 100 in development from high-profile studios and developers. And another interesting distinction of Apple Arcade is that they directly fund development of all these games. So Apple is paying all these developers.
1: Which is great for developers. They they get a large user
0: base. You know, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be it's not going to scale that well, maybe, you know, I mean, I'm curious to see because 50 games, yeah, it's a lot, but there's already 350 on Google play pass. Right. And so when you're not like directly funding development, I'm glad they're doing different things here so we can, you know, compare the effects of both of these approaches. Right. But anyway, $5 a month, pretty reasonable, especially if you're playing on more than one platform. How much is Google Play Pass? Google Play Pass is also $5. It's a little complicated. (laughs) $5 a month except for the first year, which is $2 a month.
1: Weird. So
0: yeah, $2 a month for the first year and then $5 a month after that. But there is a 10-day free trial Mm. and I'm in that 10-day window also. I've been testing that and Apple Arcade out. But Google Play Pass has 350 games and it has apps.
1: Yeah, and you could pay 24 bucks for that first year and have access to a really large library.
0: Yeah, also with both these services, I mean, a lot of these games would cost more than $5 just for one game. Right. So it's a pretty good value, you know, especially at $2 a month. And for Google Play Pass, some of the biggest games are like Monument Valley 1 and 2, Stardew Valley, uh, they have Star Wars KOTOR, kind of cool, Terraria.
1: Yeah, so there's... KOTOR would be a good one to hook up to the TV. Yeah, I
0: can't imagine playing that for like 20 hours on a phone. Yeah, or an iPad. Yeah, but Even anyway... An iPad. Yeah, so hundreds of games and both of these in the iOS app store. Now there's like a new button at the bottom which says Arcade. So that's where they put like all the Apple Arcade stuff. And Google Play did the same thing. There's a Play Pass like yeah. tab at the bottom now. And that has like all the apps and games that you can get there. And that, I mean... I can imagine a time in like a couple years from now, two or three years from now, like if this succeeds and, and carries on and grows and continues where that's like the main portal for games, Google play. Oh. You know what I mean? So people have a subscription and they pay like $5 a month or whatever. And it's like, that's where you go. And you just like never have in-app purchases. You never pay for games. You never pay for apps. You just have like what they give you access to. And then sure. There's other stuff available in the app store, But you're like, yeah, why would I pay $3 for like this app when I have like a free alternative? So the implications are pretty big for independent developers who don't get access inside this
1: um, sort of garden that they're creating. I mean, this kind of harkens back to Xbox Live Gold, you know, with the deals that they would offer, exclusive games that they would give you. And now with what we've got Game Pass as one of the options now and PS Plus getting our free monthly games It's cool. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, potentially runs the risks that I mentioned before, you know. Uh, But I mean, I think for the casual user, it's really appealing just paying a fee and like, you know, when a game comes out, playing it and then moving on to the next game. Always having access to being able to look for whatever you want to play and play it and not having to worry about buying it or whatever. Try it out. If you don't like it, move on to another game.
0: You know, I think there's going to be some emerging contradiction between the App Store charts and between these subscription services. Right. You know, because when you pay for like Apple Arcade, then what's the use of like top grossing games chart? You right. know, because that has always kind of traditionally been used to show which games are performing the best. You know, therefore, which games are
1: the best, which I should check out. Could it be time spent in games? Could they track that? How much time is spent in certain games?
0: I think that would be maybe a more useful, holistic measure you know yeah. because the the charts the grossing charts are gamed like constantly yeah you know they're constantly like manipulated by developers who want to achieve that position correct and so I, I think it'd be a good thing for both google and for apple to get rid of those charts completely it would be
1: a better indicator of quality yeah i mean and if you for, look for at for us as users you know just trying to figure out what's good as well as for you know the improvement of the game industry we like everybody everything would just get better
0: Yeah. If you look at the top grossing charts, it's not pretty. They're pretty bad games. I mean, they're just like addictive in-app purchase riddled uh, online games.
1: It's gross.
0: Yeah. So who knows? This could be a really good thing. It'll be interesting to see what effect this has. What are some of the other platforms that we're looking at here? So the first one, which I read about was, yeah, PlayStation Now and this has been available for a while. I've actually tried it in China, and it hasn't really worked for me.
1: Yeah, but it works outside of China, as far as I know, fairly well. I know people in Hong Kong who use it, who say it works okay. Uh, But I mean, for streaming games, that's pretty much predominantly streaming. You need a pretty fast internet connection
0: you know they said five megabytes per second that's
1: bullshit dude. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's what i thought yeah, you too. need
1: like 50 megabytes per second yeah stable and i
0: mean we have that or but we're you're gonna china. have a,
1: you're gonna have a dip it like you're gonna have maybe about a, a 12th of a frame of a second lost if you have you're gonna have a slight delay in things so if you have less than that and i mean yeah we have that in china but we're also going through the firewall so like we have that within China. Getting outside of China, we don't really have that. So we could have access to services like that potentially if Wii game ever catches up or something. But that's, you that's know. That's like a joke at this point. Yeah, totally. But
0: PS Now is uh, has been available for a long time. You can stream a huge catalog of games. I think it's 800 games now, over 800 games.
1: And they're cool games, dude.
0: You can stream PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4. And you can also stream them on your PlayStation 4 and on your PC. And there's a huge selection of games. And it was just recently, about a year ago, that Sony announced that users on PlayStation 4 would be able to download PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 4 games offered via the service. Um, because PlayStation 3 games can't be run natively on the PlayStation 4. Right. Due to the architecture with the cell processors on PlayStation 3. But pretty cool that you can download those. And I think they lowered the price pretty recently. Also, you pay either $10 a month um, in the U.S. or you pay $60 a year. So $60 a year, that's like $5 a month access to a huge catalog. And that's
1: one, one AAA title, basically. Yeah. And you get access to an awesome library.
0: Yeah. You know what yeah, no I mean? Kidding. These
1: are classic titles you know, that you don't really have an easy way to play.
0: Yeah, and over 300 of them you can download on the PlayStation 4. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I mean, why, you know, unless you're looking for something really specific, just get that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you have like a massive library like off the bat. You're paying
1: $60 a year, super cheap. There's a 7-day day free trial. And ease of use, man. Ease of use compared to tracking down a PS2 or a PS3 or something just to play a specific title. Just pay one one price of a game basically. Yeah.
0: I looked at the catalog of games though, and it's like a lot of the, I mean, it is 300 games available for download, but you know, most of the games that I want to play, I feel like I kind of already have because a lot of them are just so cheap. Yeah. You know, because we're so far into the PlayStation 4's life cycle. So in any case, PS Now seems like a cool option. Not that great for people in China, but if you're outside China on the real internet and you have a good internet connection, then that's a great option It's just $5 a month.
1: There's also, you know, on the other side, going over to Microsoft. Microsoft has the Game Pass for which finally came out for PC not too long ago.
0: Yeah, Windows 10, right?
1: Yeah, Windows 10 in June of this year. So that's ten bucks a month, or I mean, that's got so many confusing tiers, though. So many confusing tiers. And, and we've and got classic uh, Microsoft. Yeah, and we've got people in the group doing that. Uh, you know weird exploit or whatever to get like years of it three
0: years for like five dollars or something yeah which is
1: good deal i guess but also like who wants to jump through those hoops and figure out all that shit you know
0: yeah there's like a matrix of different options available i mean there's like one for pc one for console there's an ultimate one which includes xbox gold but then xbox live gold there's like multiple tiers of that as well it's super confusing but basically for the ultimate one, it's like fifteen dollars a month.
1: And it and that gives you the you know, a bunch of games that you can play. Hundred games. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And also with the Xbox you do have backwards compatibility with older games. So that's kinda cool. They've got some older games on there.
0: Yeah, that so, seems like the sole good thing about having an Xbox. Yeah, it's also
1: <laughs> got cross play, so you could be playing on your Xbox and then get over onto your PC and pick up where you left off, which is kind of neat. But, I mean, kinda I, of don't, I don't have an Xbox, so not really. I feel like me. even if I yeah. did, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but yeah.
0: but kind of neat, yeah.
1: Uh, but then we have, you know, the different, you know, publishers we've got ea's origin access and ubisoft's uplay plus
0: yeah i noticed that ea access is being sort of advertised like directly inside the playstation store now if you mm. go to like madden 20 or fifa 20 it says like it's got an ea access label on it which is weird because it's like buy this game for 60 dollars or pay five dollars a month and just like play it now well, and I, i'm just thinking to myself i'm like who would buy it for sixty dollars?
1: Well, CEA has also got the confusing different tiers. So they started at five dollars a month. Now they also have a premiere one at fifteen dollars a month or a hundred a year, and you get right now you don't really get much. You get an extra ten games. Which is like, whoa, not a big deal. And you get a week early access, which is ludicrous, cause like, okay, we had Anthem come out this year, which was a debacle. At launch. Total flop. Uh, yeah. And the EA Origin Access Premier mm-hmm. subscribers got an early, early week access to the game. And then all the developers were saying, just wait, just wait for the day one patch. So they have to wait until launch anyways for the game to really be playable. It was totally fucked up and basically unplayable
0: i mean the whole ea access thing what do you get here really i mean you get sports games and you get like battlefield is kind of it yeah you know there's like need for speed battlefield ufc And then FIFA, Madden, NHL.
1: Yeah, the few games on the service are games that – the games that I would want potentially are games I'd rather just own outright than – Totally. Yeah.
0: But I would say this. It's $5 a month or $30 a year. For me personally, I like to play football games. And we're like in football season right now, NFL. And, you know, I have Madden 19 from last year. And I don't want to buy Madden 20 for $60 because it's going to be $60 for, like, the most of the season, right? Yeah. So I would just pay, like, $5 a month and play it for, like, two months and, like, probably be mostly done with it at that point.
1: That's a good good deal. It is.
0: It's a good deal. I'd probably check out, you know, NHL 20, not know what I'm doing, but whatever. You know, it's like there's some other things in there, too. $5 a month is, like, the so cheap, ah, give it a shot price, you know? Yeah.
1: Raise your voice a little,
0: Price. Yeah, you know, <laughs> why not? Well, give it a shot. Uh, so, yeah, EA Access. Um, I don't know anyone who's actually tried that, but, um, you know, a pretty small catalog of games compared to the other options we're talking about here. Yeah. But for people who are into those sports games like FIFA or Madden, those are are like hardcore players in a lot of cases. For a lot sure. of people just buy those like every year. On site doesn't matter what's in it.
1: And that that's worth thirty bucks a year versus buying those games outright. I think. I mean yeah. you're not really gonna go back to the older titles, right? You want to play the most current game, pretty much.
0: I'm amazed at how the economics of this work out for someone like Electronic Arts. Yeah. They're like, oh, we sell like so many million units of these sixty dollar games. Well, let's just make the whole catalog available for thirty dollars. Yeah. It's like how does how is this in EA's interest? I, I'm not really caring about EA's, you know, bottom line at all right. here. I'm just saying, like, it seems like a great deal.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, other than that, we also have Google Stadia coming up on the horizon. So, oh, tell me
0: about the uh, U- Ubisoft
1: one. Oh, the Ubisoft one. So uh, it launched about a month ago, and it's fifteen dollars a month. So it's the most expensive thing out there, basically. You do have 108 titles, so it's not the biggest library, but it's also not incredibly small. And uh, the difference between Ubisofts though, is it includes all the DLC for every game. Okay, so, so
0: that's like all the Assassin's Creed games. What are like the main games to get Siege? in
1: Siege. So like Siege, you get it, you know, it's like buying rainbow six siege with a year pass or something as opposed to having to you know buy all of that stuff you get a assassin's creed dlc stuff like that um you know i mean i would imagine that games like siege probably still have in-app purchases there's so many cosmetics and stuff in that game but uh you know uh for someone that wants to get the most out of their game and is a completionist right? Something like you plays option might be a viable option as opposed to buying a game. Some games at launch, if you buy a brand new game with all the DLC and all that stuff, like uh, Black $120. Ops, yeah, hundred to one hundred twenty dollars. It's ludicrous. I mean, yeah. I got my uh, Mortal Kombat eleven for a hundred dollars with the combat pack, and then they're probably gonna come out with another combat pack. So looking at spending $120 or so on that game. Well, we have been getting our worth worth, out of that one. Yeah,
0: (laughs) but um, who knows? Maybe by the time the next Mortal Kombat comes out, there'll be like a Warner Brothers pass, where it's like $5 a month for every, you know... We're going to be juggling all these subscription services. Yeah. On this podcast, we already have like half a
1: dozen to talk about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And
0: I can't believe the Ubisoft one just became available a month ago. That's so recent.
1: Yeah, it's kind of late compared to the other options out there. So having said, EA's has been out there for several years already. And, you know, just seems pretty far behind. Do you want to
0: make a... Guess at which major developer is gonna release the subscription service next, I'm gonna guess Blizzard.
1: Hmm. That sounds reasonable.
0: I'm but sure I... every major developer has to be like, okay, what's going on with our subscription B- service? But
1: Blizzard's library is so small. Yeah, it's like Diablo, StarCraft, Starcraft Warcraft, Over, or Warcraft, Overwatch, Overwatch, yeah. Over- Hearthstone. Hearthstone's technically in the Warcraft universe, so. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Still, I don't, don't count those. Don't count. Okay, that. but anyway, uh, anyway um, it's
1: it's really rapidly multiplying the yeah. number of these. I mean, the Game Pass was 2017. PS Now, you said it was 2014. Blizzard could come out, you know, with that. Yeah. Uh, oh, one thing that you mentioned before, Humble Bundle does kind of have. I mean, they've got their monthly subscription. Oh
0: yeah, that totally counts. And yeah. They've,
1: and they've got their Trove, which is a uh, full access.
0: Yeah, we were both members of Humble Bundle Monthly. I'm for still a member. You still? Yeah.
1: That is such a waste. Yeah, it kind of is. I don't know when it ends. Jeez, would you pay like a hundred dollars for a year or something? Yeah, like a while back. Wow,
0: like Surprise probably going to end soon. I don't know. Anyway, it for a single month it's twelve dollars a month, and for a year it's one hundred and thirty-two dollars and you get a lot of games with that though you
1: outright own those games too which is cool and you have access to the trove which is drm free titles that you can download and then just you know use or do whatever you want with and that the trove is constantly growing so even if you haven't been a member for a while you have access to a ton of games in the trove i wouldn't call it a ton it's
0: 60. Okay. Well, there's some good games in there. Yeah, but I mean, look at your Steam library. It's like 700 games. Valid point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 5% of the proceeds do support charities on Humble Bundle Monthly, like St. Jude's Children's Hospital, um, Covenant House, others. So there is like a charitable aspect to it, which is kind of cool, I guess. And the monthly subscription delivers games. And um, they often come in DRM-free, and if not, they come in the form of a Steam key. Right. So that's kind of cool. And I feel like it was it was acquired by IGN also. That was a big um, wrinkle in the uh, Humble Bundle story. But um, I thought it was really good like two years ago. Um, but now I feel like it's less good. Just looking at what they offer, it they do calculate like how much the retail cost of the games in this month yeah. are. And it is like, you know, over $100 every month available for twelve dollars but the retail price doesn't really honestly tell you what they're worth because they're they're often available for far lower than the right. retail price and there just haven't been a lot of like massive PC games in the last year I'd say yeah most of the big exclusives so as we've been talking about have been on switch or PlayStation so anyway humble bundle is another one of these subscription services are there any other um, services which we haven't talked about
1: uh well i mentioned google stadia and there's also i don't know if you would include this there's nvidia geforce now which i think is a subscription model well technically it's it might be free now it's in beta i don't know but that's just streaming only when does google stadia come out uh it's before the end of the year isn't it yeah i think so and that's
0: it's I don't see, like, that as a very compelling option, to be honest. Yeah. Especially when you compare it to,
1: like, Xbox Game Pass or Game Pass for Windows, whatever it's called. It's going to have Red Dead Redemption 2 on it. And, like, uh, I think Cyberpunk's going to be on there, too. For people who don't necessarily have a kick-ass computer or on the move a lot, it might be an option. But I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, necessarily for everybody. Red Dead Redemption
0: 2 is going to be on Stadia, like, right off the bat? Yeah. Wow. So why would anyone buy the game? Just like, well, I guess you need the correct apparatus, internet, you know, access and so on. But yeah, man, I mean, I would just pay like, what is it, $15 a month or something rather than buy the game for $60? I didn't see
1: what the monthly pricing was. I just saw like they have deals for, for buy, buying into it before it launches. And it's like $130 for a controller and a buddy pass. For three months, and you get three months access to the stadia pro oh, so that's for like a device that's for like a streaming you, device you put like a Chromecat, Chromecast thing into your TV and then you just use your controller with the Chromecast so the controller uh, costs hundred and thirty dollars uh well, it's for the subscription too so but so it's I not guess.
0: the it's not the device it's, it's just a the, controller? there's
1: no device, just a Chromecast dongle
0: yeah no, I mean does it include that?
1: It includes the dongle, the controller, and a three-month subscription and a three-month subscription for your your friend.
0: I see. Okay. Well.
1: It's a little pricey. It's a little pricey.
0: Yeah, it's a little pricey, especially for a new service because usually these are, they come off at like an
1: introductory price, which is really cheap. Yeah, I mean, you could, that is the introductory price. So it's potentially going to be more expensive than that for a bundle in the future, which I think is ludicrous considering you can get a controller, for significantly cheaper than that. I don't think the Chromecast dongle costs that much. It's like $30. Yeah. And the so,
0: Xbox One controller is like 40
1: Yeah. So it just seems a little pricey. Maybe like for 80 bucks or something that might be reasonable. Yeah. But pricey. Anyway,
0: that's surprising that they would offer Red Dead Redemption 2 because the PC release of that was just announced like a week ago.
1: Yeah. It's next month, right? November yeah. 5th, I think.
0: Something like that. We it's also November.
1: Rick and Morty next month. About that time.
0: Anyway, yeah, yeah. But Red Dead Redemption Two is like old history for people with consoles. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that the it's PC
1: version has some graphical enhancements and some new missions and stuff. But honestly, like new content in a game like that, not that big of a deal to me. There's already too much shit to yeah do in there's that like a
0: hundred hours of content like yeah. easy already in the game no. so some new missions really don't make
1: it that much more of an exciting proposition Nah, the only thing that's appealing is how they improve online and that's going to be on consoles and pc so i don't really see the pc version necessarily offering much more so for someone who doesn't have a console that's potentially exciting maybe
0: just pc master race stuff 144 hertz yeah. 4k you know
1: yeah, but that's Wide kind of screen. You probably want to have that playing locally, right? You don't want to get frame rate drops or anything like that. You want to run it at max settings. like Exactly. No, yeah. I think, yeah, the PC Master Race is maybe not going to want to stream that one. Mm-mm. So, I don't know. Google Stadia seems a little iffy.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll see how yeah. that works out.
1: Play Pass seems like a way better proposition.
0: Yeah, it totally does, for sure. Also, Microsoft is so much more of a trusted name in games than Google. Yeah,
1: for sure, for
0: sure. Although, Microsoft hasn't been on fire this last generation, like it was in the 360
1: generation. Not really, 360, like, the Xbox was good, and it had, you know, a nice stable online component to it that we didn't really have in gaming before that. And the xbox 360 just blew the xbox out of the water and just improved on it in every way conceivable basically it has and, to be the high
0: point of microsoft's gaming initiative
1: yeah because Xbox just hasn't really had the exclusives there and then they've had all of these games even the exclusives that are there you can play on pc the pretty x, much
0: the x bone well x bone xbox yeah. one aka x bone <laughs> Yeah. Anything else to say before we wrap up this
1: topic on game subscription services? Not really. Just that I hope that it all pans out for the best.
0: Which one of these do you think you would pay
1: for? Um, I don't know. Apple Arcade kind of seems appealing. Just, I mean, if I happen to be on my iPhone, I'm thinking about switching to an Android device in the future. At which point, maybe Google Play. But Google Play is less exciting to me with the titles that are on there um potentially i mean if i could do it i would do ps now just yeah more, you know that's the only one that's really appealing just to play games that i don't have an easy way to play right now but i can't really do that in china if not that maybe game pass so i can play on my pc yeah i have a date on my calendar set
0: to cancel my apple arcade trial yeah and so i'm going to cancel that but i've it's been kind of cool you know playing a couple of games. But I would say, generally speaking, although they are exclusive, none of them have stood out to me as like amazing games, to be honest.
1: Right now, with a mobile device, I do have to say something like a subscription is more appealing to me than buying games on the app store. It's never been really appealing to me for whatever reason. Buying games on the app store, I don't always like. Like you said, the charts are fucking hard to, you know, you can't really tell what's fucking actually good compared to what's on the top-grossing charts. And I think you have to do a lot of digging to really get to the good games, the good mobile games.
0: Yeah, I think that Google Play Pass makes a lot of sense. I think that I'll probably stick with my subscription on that, at least for the first year, especially $2 a month. $2 Mm -hmm. a month is like, that's one app, you know, not even a game, really. So I think that's going to be worth it. I'm going to see how that plays out over a year. Although I've already got probably substantially more apps than I need on my phone. Right. You know, so it's not like I'm in need of it, but... I think for this would be great for you, for example. Like if you're new to Android and you get the Play Pass for like $2 a month, you're like sorted. You just like
1: never buy anything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, potentially that's a good option. Although the other thing a point is that it's really easy to pirate games with APKs on the Android.
0: You don't want to do that, man, to be honest. It's just too much of a hassle in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do that, but the games are so cheap. And I mean, with a subscription service like this, not worth your time in my opinion also when you get something legitimately you get updates exactly they add content you can play some of these games online they have leaderboards
1: cheap so yeah for sure so on that note what else are you playing right now well
0: we're getting ready for an event this weekend which is our second mortal kombat 11 tournament i'm looking forward to that been playing mortal kombat the uh terminator was just added i haven't checked that out yet so we're gonna play that in a bit i'm gonna see that for the first time looking forward to it
1: so good how about yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Terminator launch got me excited, super hyped back into MK11 again. That game just dominates my time. Other than that, I, you know, finally went back and beat the original Dead Rising, and that was a ton of fun, man. Oh, I
0: think that was my favorite one.
1: It, I, I mean, a lot of, you know, it was just really fucking monumental at the time. It was a really cool game, and I think while not perfect did a lot of things it was so the one, well. It was
0: the one closest to Dawn of the Dead, which I just saw again. Right. The 1978 George Romero movie, which takes place inside a shopping mall. Yeah. Just watched it, like, maybe 10 days ago. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, it
1: hits that mark well, I think. It just, you know, hits a lot of the classic horror tropes really well, and it can be goofy and fun, or a little, you know, kind of dark and morbid, so I like the themes, and you know it's just fun it's a fun game so cool all right well thanks for listening to the podcast if you're interested in checking out
0: previous episodes you can find those on our website at chundugaming.com or you can find them on whatever app you're listening to this podcast on thanks for listening
1: later